We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Cleveland Browns are on the clock, and Kevin Costner has lost his mind. On today's episode, we're doing the fictional NFL draft film, Draft Day. I was really lucky to have Kevin Turner from 105.3 The Fan Dallas-Fort Worth to come on and break down this movie with me. If you're listening to this on the actual date of the NFL Draft, Thursday, April 25th, or any of the following days, uh, you know, the subsequent rounds 2-7, through seven, Definitely follow Kevin on Twitter at KT Fun Tweets and check out what he and his guys are getting into as far as draft coverage. It's going to be great stuff. As always, if you're enjoying Trouble with the Script, please remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating and a review, as those are really important in continuing to grow this podcast. I think that's the housekeeping for now, so let's get into it. Trouble with the Script, the sports movie podcast that appreciates a little authenticity. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Trouble with the Script is a sports movie podcast that focuses almost exclusively on the sports-centric content of sports movies. What worked, what didn't work, and what could have been done to fix it. My guest host today for this special NFL Draft episode is an NFL Draft writer for The Athletic. He's also on the Ben and Skin Show on 105.3 The Fan, Kevin Turner. Kevin, thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for having me. It's a, it's an honor to uh, be on this awesome podcast. Of course, I appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, everyone listening to this show, you're listening to it on on draft day. I'm recording it a little bit before then, so so we might be a little bit dated with uh, with some draft developments. But we're releasing this on draft day because today we're doing the movie draft day. This is the draft day Browns fans were waiting for. Sonny, I hope you're listening. You run this team. You're the general manager. You can fix it. Hey, Tom. Hey, Sonny. Sonny. Every year, someone comes out of this looking like a donkey. Can you hear me? Yeah. Good, because tomorrow I got a feeling it could be you if you don't make this deal. Let's talk about the draft. I need you to make a splash, Sonny. If you can't do it, then I have to do it. Just to be clear here, you're threatening to fire me, right? Draft Day is a 2014 football drama about the GM of the Cleveland Browns, played by Kevin Costner, deciding what to do after his team acquires the number one pick. So, Kevin, I got to ask you, as a guy who writes about the NFL draft, you know, kind of revolves around the NFL draft and football for a living, how does this movie stack up for you in terms of just enjoyment and watching it? And was there anything at all that felt authentic in this movie? Um, no, there's not too much that felt uh, authentic. 
But I will say this. I remember uh, not only the, the time that I, I saw it originally in theaters, and then when I rewatched it uh, a couple nights ago, that I never got bored during the movie. So I want to give the, the movie just a little bit of cut it a little bit of slack there. I never got bored, uh, but there are some things about the movie that I definitely uh, disagreed with for sure. I feel the same way. I didn't. Um, I did a rewatch last night, and yeah, I did. I didn't get bored. I, I openly laughed at some parts because of just kind of how you know how ridiculous it is. But uh, you know, it was it was entertaining, you know, for for what it was. But yeah, as a you know, I appreciate you calling in to talk about you know kind of the the sports centric stuff of this movie. We're a podcast that appreciates the authentic stuff, and there there wasn't a whole lot of that. Um, the plot of this movie really, it, it begins, I think it starts, you know, 12 hours before the draft and, uh, and Kevin Costner's character, he kind of wakes up or, you know, basically starts his day. So Kevin, before we kind of get into this movie, can you lay out what a, a general manager's day kind of actually looks like during the NFL draft? You know, it's, it's weird. You know, the team I cover is the, with the Cowboys is so different than everyone else with the owner actually being the GM. But yeah, so most teams nonstop evaluating, scouting all the way up until draft time. You know, they they take in as much information as they can, and they continue to watch films and have these conversations and meetings until they get the board set up. And that's kind of in the weeks leading up to it. They have big meetings all day long to kind of get the draft board set up the way they want it. This was such a strange movie. Because we're talking about a situation where the Browns have the seventh pick, which is pretty normal, uh, the Browns having a top ten pick. But he is like – so his dad was the was the head coach for a long time there, and his dad died. But they're picking seventh, and the dad who he had to fire ends up dying, okay – he ends, up, he ends up firing his dad, his dad dies, and they're picking seventh. But they're mad at Costner. Uh, they're mad at him, the GM. And it's like, well, the coach they had was not good enough to not have them uh, have a top ten pick and also died a year after he got fired. So uh, why was he the bad guy for that? Yeah, Kevin Costner... He takes a ton of shit in this movie, and I mean, he 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 does some things that that yeah, he should probably take some shit for. But he's taking shit the second the movie starts. Yeah, I, I always thought like, okay, so he's the big star, and it's a great cast, by the way. You know, when you have it's a loaded Garner, cast. Uh, Sam Elliott's got an old part in there. Um, Dennis Leary. Yeah, Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary to me is the least likable of uh, player of this whole movie, being the head coach of the team. Like, it's a good cast, but you sit there and go, man, Costner signed up for this role that just immediately has him digging <laughs> digging his way back to just to get his head above water. It's uh, I just thought that was crazy. It's like, okay, first of all, you don't think that was an emotional decision for him to fire his dad? He did what he thought was right to move the team on in the new direction. Oh, yeah, and then his old man dad died, which is just a job away from him. Well, he had pre- he pretty much explains it. He explains it at the end of the movie when he's talking to Jennifer Garner that he basically had to choose. The, the doctors basically told him that coaching would kill his dad. 
So we either had to take away his dad's favorite thing or or let him keep coaching and die. Well, he at the same time, he died anyway. But regardless, it was a the whole movie was a lose lose situation for Costner in just in a lot of ways. So real quick, I want to want to get into, you know, I want to this is a new category for for this day, but just picking something that's the most authentic and least authentic uh, sports-centric parts in the movie. And I'll be honest, I don't, have a, I don't have a most. I don't really have anything that was, you know, like, I've got some things that worked, but I don't have anything that I just want to put, like, a stamp on of this was the most authentic thing in the movie. Did you have anything for that? So the one thing that came to my mind is that, and it's, it's, it's a weird example, but in the movie... When they get to the point of the quarterback, uh, Bo Callahan, and uh, they find out that uh, he none of his friends showed up to his birthday party. But the idea of them finding a rumor of some off-the-field nonsense during the draft, that is pretty accurate. Like, that's stuff that happens. I remember last year, to kind of to personalize this, uh, there was a defensive end from Boston College. His name was Harold Landry. And I thought the Cowboys might be interested in him. So kind of had my eyes on him a little bit. He ended up falling into the second round. Um, so he doesn't get... Went to the Titans, I think. I think it was the right. Titans, yeah, in the late 30s, early 40s. So I remember going in on Friday to go on the air to cover the draft. And we start kind of talking it off the air. We're not, not saying it's on this. It's off the air. We're kind of talking about it. And we're going like, yeah, so and the guys I do the draft with, Dane Brugler from the Athletic is a you know has sources everywhere. Brian Broaddus from DallasCowboys dot com was a former scout. He's got friends who are in the league for all kinds of teams, and he's like, yeah, the things we were hearing about Landry today are just not not good. Teams are just you know saying they didn't think he was uh, he was tough enough, a tough enough guy to take him in the first round. And I'm like, that seems like a weird, like, that seems like a real weird thing to just have a guy drop probably 15 to 20 spots because the day of the draft, rumors start circulating that the guy's not a very tough guy. Maybe he doesn't always want to, like, fight through injuries and things like that. And that's kind of how I thought about Bo Callahan. Who cares if his teammates didn't show up to his birthday party? Yeah, that was one thing I was going to ask you is what would – um you know, what are some examples like that? I mean, you kind of answered the question without me asking about Harold Landry, but what are the things that would drop a guy? Because when you think of, like, the notorious free falls, it's either, like, the Laramie Tunsil situation, which is, you know, just a freak freak thing. Um, Lyle Collins, you know, what happened with that? Um, You know, situations like that that are, they're open, they're out there, you know, they, they... and then there's like you know classic like QBs will fall just because you know a a bunch of teams suddenly don't need a QB or they're not sold on a guy and it's a bigger decision to pick a QB than it is you know picking someone else. But I guess you could say that was an authentic part in the movie in terms of just a guy falling in the draft and making that a plot point because it is a thing. Yeah. But the the you know the whole reason of it and that being you know how he. Costner makes this miraculous draft day miracle is just was a little overblown, I guess. Yeah, it was definitely overblown, but they were going to try to cover the base of 
this is what can happen last minute, a rumor off the field. And it's kind of what I would compare it to as another part in the movie, I guess, when Leary and uh, and Costner are kind of watching tape on a player. Uh, they're re-watching uh, Vontae Mack. So they want, to, they want to study him again, okay? And it's like, okay, let's uh, – they're sitting there and, and just going over the tape again, like – Okay, well, the draft is happening now. Why are we watching Tate now? But I saw that happen one day, and it was like a day three, a round four guy, but like three or four years ago, it was the 2016 draft, went into Rod Marinelli's office, the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys, and he's going off on this tangent, and he's talking to us about some stuff. And I turn my head and look up on the screen, and he had been watching film of Oklahoma. So in my head, before day three of the draft has even started, okay, so before – we get into the fourth round. I'm going Oklahoma. Who is an Oklahoma prospect? Oh, it's Charles Tapper. Charles Tapper is a defensive end from Oklahoma. And I was able to connect the dots. We go on air. The Cowboys pick 20 picks later and five picks before we pick. I'm going, hey, maybe keep an eye on Charles Tapper from Oklahoma. That might be someone they're interested in. Because I saw that Rod had been there early that morning, and that was the player he was watching. Like, just because he wanted to show show me a picture from – Back in his early days of coaching, I was able to go in his office, see who he had been watching film on. And they kind of do that in the movie. They're all in there watching film. When it feels like they're kind of on the clock, <laughs> you know, they're not. They'd already made the trade to move back. But it's like they don't have that much time. Yeah, they're always watching like random things of film. It seems like they were flying by the seat of their pants the entire movie. <laughs> it really does. Like even from the moment they, even from the moment they, they traded. Yeah, and, you know what, and that, bring, that brings me to the, to the idea, too, coaches versus scouts. That's a real thing. I mean, we've seen this a ton, I just know from covering the Cowboys. They have the scouts, and they've got a Will McClay who runs you know, pro, uh, player personnel. Stephen Jones, I kind of have a say. Garrett and the coaches will kind of have their say. And somehow they're able to, to mediate it and get, the, get to a final decision. But a lot of times scouts will like a player, and coaches will like a player. The scouts liked uh, T.J. Watt of Pittsburgh. The coaches liked Taco Charlton. And it comes to draft day, Taco Charlton's the pick, and everyone's mad that T.J. Watt is a pro bowler, and the Cowboys have Taco Charlton, who's been kind of a bust in his first two years. So I think they did cover that dynamic pretty well. They did. They had uh, Leary. Leary played the, Dennis Leary played the head coach, and he is gung-ho for the running back. Played by Arian, the the undrafted Arian Foster plays the seventh overall pick. You know when when you kind of break it down, they did have you know there were some authentic things then. The least authentic, well actually actually we'll kick the least when we go to what didn't work. Did you other things that worked? Um, I thought in the beginning when they they opened the movie with just the monologue of the brown suffering, I enjoyed that. I I thought that worked, kind of kind of set the movie up. And I remember being kind of bought in on giving that movie hope like the first time I watched it, you know, mm-hmm. in the theater going, hey, this has got a chance to maybe maybe they can pull it off. And then once you get into the you know, real draft logistics, you go, oh, oh, no, not even close. Yeah, yeah, they, they whiffed on that. Um, something else I loved, I don't know, how, I mean, I loved the giddy strength coach. When he, when he Costner rolls through the, the weight room and the, the strength coach is just – up through the moon with how uh, how strong the quarterback's gotten. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember the strength coach? Did you happen to watch Hard Knocks this year? Yes. 
and normally I don't watch Hard Knocks, but I watched the episode that had Des Bryant in it. And the Brown strength coach, huge guy, and he's like the most unhealthy guy ever, but he's actually the strength and nutrition coach. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of him. The guy's yeah, like they, kind of fired up and, and yoked all the time. He was fun because he, uh, he came in the movie, too, when the quarterback finds out they traded up for the pick, and he's, like, destroying his locker room, and he's, like, the holding back guy, which I thought was just perfect. Yeah. Was there anything else that really, like, stuck out for you and was like, oh, yeah, this, you know, this is something I see. Like, this, this is authentic. You know, I don't uh, – you know, I think just the whole idea of a guy falling in love with, hey, this guy's been through a lot. Let's measure the player's hearts. Like that is something that I think is still kind of real, and it seems strange that it popped up with such a big plot line in this movie. <laughs> but like, hey man, I really believe in Vontae. You know, that yeah. I, I think you get a lot of that still by decision yeah. makers in the NFL. Yeah, guys just buying into the player's personality, and you know you go. Obviously, you go, well, what do I need? Do I need a quarterback or not? I know if I need a quarterback. I know if I'm moving on from my hurt quarterback or not. Like, I would have that all set up before draft day, you know. I would make it clear, you know, that's what they need. And they're kind of like, well, we could. And the coach wants the running back, and he wants the defensive end. And it's like, okay, well, the quarterback could be available to you. What do you need? And it was never really, you know, it was never really discovered. It is amazing how many, and I can't believe we spent as much time as we have so far talking about a few things that actually did fit. Me too. I'm kind of shocked. I am too, man, because I thought we were just going to crush the movie uh, the whole time. We kind of are still, but I, I think we picked out a few things that were kind of, that were there for you to go, you know what, I see what they were going for. Yeah, it was they. You saw, you see the effort. Um, it wasn't just kind of a blatant disregard for, yeah, just completely being fictional. So yeah, I mean, you, you know, you do you do see the effort, especially with Costner's relationship with uh, with Vontae Mack, played by played by uh, Chadwick Boseman, aka Black Panther. Real quick on the on the Vontae Mack thing, I, I have a question for you. I to me, it seemed far fetched, but I'm honestly not sure. I'm not you know involved with covering the NFL draft. Is there any situation where a prospect is randomly going to call a GM on draft day? Uh, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think the closest thing we got to that was the 20 – was that draft, though, the year that this movie came out. was the 2014 draft when Johnny Manziel texted the Browns owner and said, come get me. Yes. Yeah, so what was it? We're going to light this league on fire or something? Yeah. Something like that. Don't trade up. Come get me. That's the that's the probably the closest we've ever been, honestly. Yeah, I feel like it would be all agents. You, like there'd be no player calling a GM ever. And I'm just now, and I'm just now putting that together that that draft happened, and and about the Browns, but that draft happened that same year this movie came out. The Browns having two first round picks and grabbing Gilbert and Manziel. Yeah. Which do, doesn't bode well for uh, the careers of Vontae Mack. And um, and Ray Jennings. No, uh, it really doesn't. I'll be tracking that. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they're gonna have to get the uh, development league. <laughs> that shut uh, down. All right, all right, yeah, R.I.P. to the development league. 
RIP to my beloved San Antonio Commanders. Um, I mean, this this is coming out on this is coming out on draft day, so we do have like four weeks before uh, you know may, maybe some maybe a miracle happens. Yeah, but, maybe um, they could get together. Also, the XFL will still be a thing. Perfect. The last thing I have that that worked that I just enjoyed was Diddy as the agent. Yes, I enjoyed that. Yeah, and you know what? For him, a great role for him. But I was sitting there going, okay, so he's doing the same role they just played and get him to the Greek. That's exactly what I thought. I thought he was a more toned-down version of his, of his get him to the Greek character, which I, I love then, too. He's a drama movie version of that of, of himself there instead of, you know, the, the comedy movie version. I, I did think that it was a little strange. Maybe, maybe not strange. Maybe strange isn't the word. But I did think they did a pretty good job of just depicting, hey, here's the NFL network, here's the commissioner, working all those guys in, like just to like like you know the movie's going to be over the top anyways. But like they did a good job of the entertainment factor of the movie of highlighting all those things, highlighting the TV coverage. It wasn't always realistic. It was actually hardly ever realistic. But like to show all that stuff was kind of cool because. If you look at the cash cow that the league is, I remember watching it going, okay, it's cool. Rich Eisen's talking. I like Rich Eisen. <laughs> that's, a, that's cool, even though the storyline was was all over the place. It was clearly very NFL-friendly and very NFL-approved. They got Absolutely. the cool aerial stadium shots. They got the you know the draft. The biggest thing that – and let's get right – let's get into what didn't work. Uh, I think the, the least authentic part of the movie was just the entire draft scenario, which will kind of break down. But I, I, to start off, I think the part that made it incredibly unrealistic and showed that it was very NFL-approved was Goodell walking out to the podium and not getting just the shit boot out of him. <laughs> yeah, right? He was, he was cheered for. I was like – I was watching. I started cracking up. Like, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> Dude. That was that was that was like I knew going into that though because they had dropped off everything in New York from the 2013 draft, and they were doing all these like hits. So like they were gonna like get all this footage and B-roll and have it ready. And I was like, okay, so they got all this actual footage, and then they have this, which they clearly went and set up. Like that was a planned shoot. The part where he gets booed. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean the, the, the part where he gets cheered for. That was a planned shoot because you couldn't get that actual footage of him being cheered for anywhere. Like, he was going to get booed no matter where, even back then. So, yeah, that was that was a little insane. Yeah, I wish they would have. I wish they would have actually. I mean, again, we'll get, you know, we'll get in it later, talk about how to fix the movie, but I wish they would have just let him get booed. Goodell knows it. He's getting paid very handsomely to get booed anytime he touches the podium. Yeah, and I guarantee it that he doesn't let it bother him too much anymore. If I had all of his money, it, it wouldn't bother me. But um, but let's get into what didn't work. I've got a couple football, just football-specific things. The first and foremost, the top prospect in the draft is Bo Callahan, a Wisconsin quarterback who won the Heisman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wisconsin in their run-dominant offense with their quarterback winning the Heisman. Like, even then, I don't... It, it it had to have been a licensing thing where Wisconsin said, "Yeah, you know, you can you know use our logo and talk about us and and everything." But I mean, at that, I I can't remember what what year Wisconsin team that was, but Bo Callahan likely just handed the ball off to Monty Ball or whoever the else they had running the ball then. 
Yeah, absolutely. Melvin Gordon. Yeah, Ron Dane, if you want to go back further, you know. It's all the same. Like, the, the Wisconsin style of quarterback is not generally uh, going to go win a Heisman these days. So that was a peculiar choice to go with a Big Ten school in general not named Ohio State. Yeah, I, I thought that was extremely strange. And they built him up, though, as this thing – He's this untouchable thing. Like they, the the guy I kept thinking of when they would build him up is Andrew Luck. Well, they mentioned him in the beginning of the movie. They they name drop. They say he's the best prospect since Andrew Luck. Since Andrew Luck, yeah, that's why I'm making that that connection. And that's where I go, okay. And Andrew Luck only got all that because the year Andrew Luck came out, he was by far the only clear guy. And I was like, okay, so if this guy's such a sure shot. Why is the number one pick available? Why is that trade even happening? And then why are rumors about a birthday party? <laughs> why is that dropping? Hey, yeah, because can't hard to find. Homie's going to get drafted one if he's that great. There would have been nothing to push Andrew Luck down the board unless he got arrested for a serious crime that year. The Colts released Peyton Manning to draft Andrew Luck. <laughs> I mean, that was like. And that's where you get into, okay, the football side of this movie is going to be bad. Just the, the pure football side of this thing is going to get ugly. And it did. It, it, I mean, it got, it got, it was as worse as I've ever seen in a sports movie. Just the, 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 the many roads they go down to try to make this thing look like a realistic draft movie. Well, you go to the beginning of the movie, the first conversation when um, when he the Seahawks are talking to, they're trying to find someone desperate to get a, a boatload of picks. They reference the RG three trade, um, where the Rams got all those picks, and you know whatever. And and so Costner's on the phone with them, they're talking, and he's like, you know, why why don't you guys want to draft Callahan? And the the GM says our, our QB did great. He said something about the QB's play, like you had the number one pick, your QB did not play well. Like, there's, there's no way. That just doesn't happen. Absolutely. And that's where yeah, – okay, did you see uh, – did you happen to see uh, A Star is Born? I am actually the the in the small minority who did not, but I do know the general plot of the movie, and feel free to spoil it because I deserve it at this point. No, no, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it because it's a movie that I was also entertained of but I thought was horrible. That's a lot of plot, a lot of, <laughs> plot, of, of plot lines. Like, so – but the – I, what I thought draft day was doing, I was like, they're putting themselves in a situation to remake this thing in 15 years or 20 years. Because this was like the third or fourth reincarnation of A Star is Born. And some of the references are, are fine or whatever, and they changed the story up a little bit. But I was like, with it, with him, when they mentioned Andrew Luck, when they mentioned the RG3 play, so the specific NFL things that they're mentioning, and personnel with the commissioner, which I was, and I was like, Man, they can do this again in 15 or 20 years and reset it with things that have happened in the NFL. But they put themselves in that position. Uh, I thought that was kind of just kind of interesting. And you should you should go see a Star's Board. I'm actually interested to see what you would think about it. It's something that me and my fiance are 100 percent going to rent at some point. It's just it's it's on. I mean, you know, we're spending our time watching Draft Day and the other the yeah. other movies <laughs> for this podcast. Why why watch an Oscar nominated movie when you can watch Costner just bungle the draft? The only other football thing that um that kind of stuck out to me was they refer to Vontae Mack as uh, as an inside linebacker, as a three four inside linebacker. In in the film, they're showing him with four sacks off the edge, 
Yes. Which is, why is he coming off the edge? Well, I felt like they had to also justify uh, Costner's uh, wanting him, though, right? Like, didn't Costner, he's explaining to the coaches, look, he could play off the edge. Yeah, well, I mean, why why didn't you wouldn't you just say he's an edge rusher? That's that's strange, and that's probably just getting. I mean, I, you know, you think about like who wrote the, the movie and stuff. It's like, do they have a basic understanding of the football positions, or are they just movie writers? Yeah, I mean, when what's the? I mean, so so Devin White in this year's draft. I mean, we do when this episode airs, it's draft day. But as of now, as of uh, Tuesday, April second. Devin White's probably a top 10 pick as the top inside linebacker in the draft, but he's not going one. He's not going one, and no one's taking him to play defensive end. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, But but people are going to love his heart, and they're going to uh, (laughs) – and love the fact that he also rides a horse around campus a lot, apparently. Him and Ed Oliver. But, like, you know, that's the whole thing. Hey, wait, I'm in this position in the top 10. In the top 10 – you got it narrowed down pretty good about what you want, what you need. They're sitting here having conflict with, uh, is a quarterback on our mind after they make the trade? Is the old quarterback Bryce Drew? Um, is Bryce Drew right? This, this, it's, I, think, I think it's Brian Drew. Yeah, Brian Drew. Yeah, Brian Drew. Is he mad now that we're, we're thinking about moving on from him? Uh, but, oh, well, I'm hearing that he's going to be healthier than ever. Like, those are all weird things to be deciding. But, but that's the thing about a movie, right? In a movie, you're not going to have the three-month pre-draft uh, build-up. So you got to condense it. I felt like they could have maybe spread it out, though. You could just do a, little, do a little graphics and go. Yeah, do like a couple-month thing. Yeah. So let's talk about the trade. Okay, so if you're trading from seven to one and you're giving a massive haul, because at first the price is a one, they're they're this year's one, they're next year's one, and they're next year's three, which I mean is a, you know that's a that's a reasonable price. I thought like that's something that you know I could I could see that happening. He ends up doing the trade for for basically three years worth of one, so that year's one and then the next two years one, so that which I feel like is a ma- I don't. The seventh overall pick, and then two first rounders, right? Yeah. yeah, which is I don't I don't know if I've seen a trade like that. Are they swapping and then getting three first rounders? Yeah, so the, so they're moving seven to one, and then so the the Seahawks got seven, and then their next year next year's one, and the one after that. Yeah, which is a massive haul. But are you giving away, no matter what the haul is, are you giving away, are you making that trade unless you know 100% who you're going to get? No. You're trading up to get Bo Callahan and Bo Callahan only. You're not debating after that. You never trade for a position, you trade for a player, right? So I've got it on my mind. And, and, and by the way, if we're talking big, big time anti here, we're talking about the quarterback. We're never... Hardly ever would we be talking about a Khalil Mack. Uh, you know, that you're aware of. But you didn't, you know, edge rushers can sometimes, can sometimes fail on. I mean, everyone can fail on you, but, like, edge rushers are a risky thing. You're not doing that unless it's for the quarterback. Especially yeah, the yeah. quarterback who in this movie who had been branded as a safe, high upside pick. Yeah, I mean, the next Andrew Luck. 
Yeah. Which, I mean, so there, yeah, there's no way he drops that bounty unless he's going, you know, and, and the whole, the whole scouting room would know it too. There wouldn't suddenly be this debate of, you know, should we pick this guy? It should have been a, it would have been a, Hey, we're trading up. We're going to get this guy. Everyone's on board. So you want to go a little deeper though? So the Browns are at seven, right? Mm-hmm. And I have on a trade chart that most teams use, the Browns pick would be worth 1500 points. Number seven. The number one pick, which at the time was Seattle, would be 3,000 points. All right? So they got to make up 1,500 p- points. Here comes the, the two other first-rounders. Well, first-rounders, if I'm going to give you a first-round pick, I'm only really going to do that with a team that I think is going to suck the next year. If it's, uh, you know, for instance, a first-rounder you know, for the Saints, it's going to be a little different than a first-rounder for the Bills, you know? You probably have a pretty good feeling that the Saints are going to be good and the Bills aren't. So that's where those other two first-rounders come in. Honestly, it seems insane. That's kind of pretty good trade value. They actually kind of got that right. That's kind of what it would take to move up. It seems like a lot, and I don't think many teams would do it, but that's kind of what you would probably be in the business of to, to make that jump to go up to number one. I mean, if you think if you think you're an Andrew Luck, well, if you if you're to tell a team, okay, you're getting an Andrew Luck without the shoulder problem, so he's going to be the quarterback of your team for the next 15 years. You know, mortgaging a couple first round picks down the road is actually probably worth it. You're just not trading up if you still in the back of your mind are like Vontae Mack would look good in in brown and orange. And but what they're weird is they're very open in the movie. They're like, well, if we don't take Vontae Mack, he's going to fall. Mm-hmm. Like they, they 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 start saying like, wait, so why do you want him then if no one else wants him? Well, he measured his heart. <laughs> like that was the whole weird thing about Vontae Mack. They made it clear that he's a good player, but they also made it clear that he's nowhere worth where they would be actually taking him. Yeah, when Vontae Mack calls Costner, he says if if they don't pop him at seven, he's going to have a thirteen pick slide. <laughs> like in reality, Costner should have been trading back. Yeah, he could have been getting picks, not giving giving away uh, future picks. Let's go to the the tra- back to the trade chart thing. Let's jump ahead to the draft. So they uh, they they draft Mac at one, and then he goes to try to fleece the uh, the Jaguars' young panicky GM at six with three twos. Look, everyone else, everyone else has a reason to pass on Bo Callahan. You don't. Give me six. Give me six, and I'll give you our second-round pick this year and our second-rounder next year. Do what? Oh, come on. That sounds awesome, Sonny. What, am I a jerk? I'm just spitballing here, Jeff. Two number twos for the six overall. I'm not an idiot. I give you ones, but I already dealt them. Well, you're going to have to do better than that. Jesus, the clock. I know Denver hasn't picked yet, but they will any second, all right? Shit, Sonny, I need more. Tell me, what is the very best that you can do? Final offer. Take our number two pick this year, next year, and the next year after that. That's three years of number two picks. Are are three twos getting you six? No. No. No, three second rounders would not get you up to, up to that far. That guy would have gotten fired. 
You know what? Three. Okay, if we're going by the chart, which is to me, teams don't teams don't really always go off this. They kind of have their own, you know, way to manipulate it. But it's, it's still a base level. If we were going off the chart, three picks at number forty. Let's say number forty in the second round. All right, number forty overall. Give me three years worth of your number forty pick. That's enough to be worth one year of the seven pick. Does that sound like it sounds crazy? But that's what the chart says. I just think if I think you they were kind of going off the chart when they worked out these trades in the in the movie. Can you imagine though if if say the Cowboys were picking at six? Just me as a fan, if the Cowboys are picking at six and we get word that there's a trade. And they traded out of the sixth pick for three second rounders. I would I would have thrown my head through a fucking wall. Maybe it's right for the chart, but I would have gone insane. Because like even this year, this year with the Cowboys not having a first round pick, which you know they gave it up for Amari Cooper, that paid off. You know that paid plenty of dividend. But it's still frustrating as a fan when you don't pick in the first round. It's just kind of a bummer. It is. It's definitely a bummer. Oh, absolutely. But I guess what happens now, the 6-40, to 40, you know, drop-off, you just don't ever see that in the league. You, you would have these teams switching first-rounders, you know. So mm-hmm. you go 6-13, and I'll take one of the 40s, but I'm going to stay in the first round. You know, if I'm going back, I'm still going to be getting what your first-rounder that you had. But I do think it's interesting that it kind of worked out of the chart just in terms of, you know, purely looking at the, you know, economic numbers of this, uh, of the trade chart, which again, teams have their own ways of manipulating that thing and, and asking and negotiating, and that changes it. But it is kind of close, you know. It, it doesn't cover up the fact that these trades are so wild ass and just would never happen. You can't even really like it. It's not even worth our time to discuss the Seahawks trading up to six, giving the Browns back their picks, and the, and the punt returner that they're like, yeah, give us the punt returner too. We need a guy on special teams. Like, it's not even worth our breath to discuss how ridiculous that is. And, and then also, I think it's also crazy when you start to look at who wanted who and everything. So you look at the coach. First of all, I fired my dad. Okay, to hire you, and we don't get along. I fired my dad to bring in Dennis Leary, and I'm not getting along with Dennis Leary. And Dennis Leary has the weird, the weird bit of drafting in the top ten and wanting a running back, one of the least valued positions. And I think sometimes it's a good fit and makes sense. I think the Zeke pick made sense for what they were trying to do, but the, his reasoning for not wanting a quarterback is because he did not want to develop and work with a rookie quarterback. He didn't want to work with the next Andrew Luck. (laughs) What? He didn't want to work with the next Andrew Luck so badly that he called the Bills trying to get them to trade. He made that sketchy backdoor call with the Bills. Like, come on. Dennis Leary did a great job of playing a scumbag. He's pretty good at that. Yeah, that's kind of his M.O. at this point. Yeah, it really is. It was like, okay, that doesn't make sense. The future quarterback, he made it sound like this team was ready to contend next year. Hey, if we get a running back that can get us over the top 
and you know what's real crazy is that was the Cowboys thought process in 2016. You pair Zeke with uh... with Romo. We had the fourth overall pick in the draft, and they go, you know what, we'll take Zeke here, and we can keep Romo healthy. We've got a chance to contend. And I honestly don't think that was flawed thinking, but it's kind of what they were unrealistically going for in draft day when they were picking seventh overall. Like, I feel like I know you have a bad team and you have an injury-prone quarterback. Oh, my God, there you are. It's kind of amazing the correlation that that comes to the Cowboys here at this movie. Costner says they were 5-1 and one before the quarterback went down, and Romo went down early in that year that they ended up with the fourth pick. Yes. It, and they were coming off 2014, and then 2015 he had the double – the double collarbone in which you tried to come back too early at Thanksgiving and all that. And you've went through the quarterback abyss of Whedon and Castle. But, like, it's still enough to go, whoa, oh, man, this is kind of this is kind of the Cowboys right here. Yeah, it didn't even get the parallel here. That's kind of wild. It's, it's also, too, like when, he, when uh, I, I couldn't help but think about Jerry a little bit, too, Jerry being the GM sort of and the owner. But Jerry, when he took over the Cowboys, he was crucified for firing Tom Landry, a legend. Now, in this case, it happens to be, you know, Costner's dad, which is a little different. It's a tough look. Still interesting. Lot of, I mean, are the, the 2014 draft day Browns are potentially the Cowboys. And, I mean, the owner, they've got the uh, the kind of splashy owner. He, uh, Frank Langella plays the owner, and he's telling Costner to make a splash. Yeah, for for season ticket uh, for tickets though we need attendance. Most yeah. owners don't care about attendance too much. Yeah, sure, you want to have the building full. Everyone knows the bunnies and the TV deals though. Yeah, I've got two. Oh, go ahead. Well, one one other thing is it a little weird that the GM in this climate is sleeping with the salary cap lady? That's a hundred percent an HR violation. So one one completely non sports centric thing. Can Kevin Costner really get Jennifer Garner? I looked it up. He's like 20 years older than her. Like, I didn't buy an ounce of sexual chemistry between them. It's an HR violation. It would be all over, like, TMZ or something. Yeah, I just, I did, I don't see Kevin Costner landing Jennifer Garner. I love Kevin Costner, but come on, man. I think you're making a good point there. That played more father-daughter than it did a lover. There was no chemistry there. That's how that ended up looking on screen, honestly. And then she's got the thing, too, like, hey, the salary cap lady's going to be pretty tight into the roster, right? She's going to be pretty tight into the draft. Maybe don't break bad news to the GM that you're pregnant. No, it could be good news for her, I guess. <laughs> Maybe I'm looking at pregnancy as bad news. Oh, my God. Maybe this is a big thing now. That I... Well, I mean, you don't you don't break it the day of the draft. She could have broken it three days later. Well, it three days. I mean, I think the play, I think the play there, though, is – you you recast, you grab Susan Sarandon for that. Yes. Who wouldn't have loved to have seen Costner and Sarandon back on screen? That would have been great. That would have made more sense. Maybe like a little comic relief to an otherwise uh, movie that was just kind of frustrating. <laughs> yeah, a little nod and a wink towards Bull Durham. I've got, I've got two more things I want to ask you, kind of like an insight thing. Mm-hmm. is so when how Costner's really sticking it to the GM of the Seahawks is he says I've looked on your your message boards and Reddit and all the fans are mad that you're not going to get Bo Callahan or something like that I want my number ones back all of them 
That's crazy. Why would I give them back? Because at the end of the day, no one's the wiser. Tom, you haven't lost anything, and you get the quarterback Messiah you've always wanted for $7 million less. No, no, I can't do it. I look like an idiot, like I panicked. You take them. You obviously don't want to. I'll stick with my draft picks. Yeah, but you want them, Tom, don't you? Seahawk fans want a hero, and you denied them. Not that bad. Don't lie to me. I checked all the Seahawk fan blogs and chat rooms. They're all calling for your head. Ever since you traded away Callahan, the barbarians are at the gate. I don't care about that. Uh, yeah, you do. You and I both know it. How much would that really play into a draft day decision? And kind of how do trade talks actually go in the draft? Because in this movie, they seem just ridiculous in all forms and fashions. I think that's the dumbest thing. One of the dumbest things in the movie is the idea that there would be a GM on Reddit hanging out and giving a crap what the fans think. It's amazing how little – and it's not a insulting. I just don't think – there's too many fans to go care about what the fans think. Right, you can't please everybody. Why try to do it? Um, I think a lot of these trades happen. You know, I think you have things, discussions during the day, groundwork that is laid, calls that are made back and forth either way. Just asking, hey, what do you guys? You guys probably need this. I think the the one thing you're trying to do is narrow it down with the team because you can kind of go, what's this team need? Okay. Well, I know they are thinking defense here, and they probably think an edge rusher. And we're covered there and need a wide receiver, might need to move up a little bit, or they might need to move up. We, we can maybe go back and get our guy, but there's only one more first or second-round grade on a defensive end. Maybe I can call Atlanta right now and see if they'll want to do business with me. You know, little things like that, because they do, that's part of the draft. They have scouts assigned to knowing what other teams, or who other teams are interested in. So, mm. like, I need to know, especially in the first round, too, when it's a little more, you know, intense and, and you know, you're covering most of the time a really big need or you're taking best overall player. Finding interest in the players in, in the first round is a little easier. So at 13... If the Tampa Bay Bucks are going defensive tackle, I need to have a couple names to give to the GM or the guys doing the drafting. And you can say, uh, Mr. Jones, they're going to take uh, Vita Vea, the defensive tackle from Washington right here. So we're good. We can sit still. You know, a little, those things kind of happen on the fly a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that's, that's, a, that's an interesting thing, though. But he tries to call it punk to Seattle GM. It's like, okay. This is a little much. Yeah, but there's there's not a person in football who would care what the fans think in terms of that. And I mean, and I think of this like I'm a you know I'm a pretty big Cowboys fan. I'm you know decently well versed in football, but these people do this for a living and scout for a living. And I my prime example was the Cowboys made a draft pick one time that I I just hated, not because I knew much about the player, but I was like, oh, this is boring. This isn't what I wanted. The Cowboys drafted Travis Frederick, who this you know autoimmune disease or whatever aside, looks like he's going to start for ten years and be an All Pro center, and that's just like proof that these people know more than fans do, and therefore shouldn't give a shit what the fans think. And, but but for every one of those, there's Taco Charlton. There is Taco. You know, I mean, the fans wanted T.J. Watt. You know, and, and that was 
I feel like the fans wanted T.J. Watt. You know, another one, though, the Johnny, Zach Martin thing. You know, a lot of fans did want Johnny Manziel. It took okay, let him go get Zach Martin. They know what they're doing here. Mm-hmm. The all-pro guard. But I, I think if people – I think I think that the common fan doesn't realize not only what, in this in this case, Kevin Costner is doing, but the scouts. It's one thing that they didn't do a great job of portraying was the scouting. Like, the scouts are at it all the time, not only in person with workouts, in person scouting games, but watching tape. I mean, I can't tell you uh, the, the amount of times over the years that I've been at the Star in Frisco, and I'm watching tape late at night, and I'll get I, bathroom break. You run the bathroom, go get a Coke, kind of wake up a little bit, and you're running to Will McClay. And he's up there, and he's been there all day long, and it's midnight, and he's still at the building. We're talking about a guy with a wife and young kid. I mean, they are grinding tape all the time, watching every game. We're going to watch every snap this guy took in college, okay? I mean, they really work hard at that. And the scouts don't get enough love, especially on teams where you sometimes – where coaches get a heavy say. Like, the Cowboys are a team where the coaches do get pretty big say. Rod Marinelli gets his say. And I would imagine it's frustrating on, on teams. I remember Broadus telling stories of the Parcells days. You know, here we are scouting. We're working our ass off all year long. And the head coach wants – Parcells guys. Yeah. It's like, well, here we are doing all the work. And just because you're the head coach, you get to have the say. Like, unless you're going to do the work, you know. And I think, I think like, this is where I wonder, like, how does it work in other organizations? Like, Belichick's the GM of the Patriots. I have no doubt in my mind that Belichick does a great job of watching tape. How much does he do compared to the scouts they have in New England? I don't know. But for the most part, they do a pretty good job of drafting and figuring it out. So I'm guessing Belichick either watches a bunch of tape and handles it on his own, or he trusts his guys to go scout and make the right call. So I think that's fascinating how all of that works, and it's way deeper than I think fans could even realize. Well, the one thing they they show when he, when they trade up to the number one pick, and they're suddenly like, we got to find out everything on Callahan. Like these guys would have known Callahan front and back if they're picking seventh, and they're a potential team that needs a quarterback. And it wouldn't have been the first. I'm sure they probably would have brought him in for a visit, or they would have sat down with him at the combine. It would not have been the first time that Costner or one of the scouts or the coach talked to him. And that's where you get into making a, a mainstream movie, right? <laughs> I mean, you you can't you can't cover that stuff. You can't cover the thirty visits that a team might have. In that note, let's go in. Yeah, how would you how would you fix it? How is do you have anything of how you would change this movie? Because I have one idea of how they change things up, but there's a lot to. I mean, they need to bring a consultant for one. But yeah, yeah. Well, you, know, you know, I've I've come on these things now. If you're gonna do a big time movie, okay, like I think. You just need to say, you know what, Netflix is a format, let's go with the four-episode thing, you know? Oh, I'd love to see this as a ten-part series. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe do it right. Like, address you, that would be great. But, you know, what they for what they were going for, general thing, take advantage of the NFL's brand and popularity. I think maybe make it less crazy in terms of the trades. Make it less about a couple of different players. And I understand... In the Hollywood formula, hey, I need, I need the GM and Costner. I need that to be a big part of it. I need the players and those storylines. Okay, I, I just think they, if the the stuff that was the worst about the movie was the personal stories and the people. 
those things weren't that interesting. I didn't really care about Costner and Jennifer Garner and what was going on. No, I didn't. I, I, wanted I didn't to care about him talking to his mom. Uh, his mom going through crap. The mom being super critical was, was really authentic, though. I thought that worked. Having a super critical mom, that was right on, that was right on point. Yeah, it was just a weird time that she would be there the day before the draft. My thing of how you fix it, the only idea I had, you remember that Sports Illustrated cover with uh, with Blaine Gabbert and Jake Locker and Cam Newton, and the, the head in line is like something like the toughest choice ever or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, you make the movie about that, and teams picking one, so they're, you know, the Panthers in that situation. I think I think if you if you do it in 2019 or something, you pick like the Raiders or someone like that, and you say, okay, well, there, there's three guys. we got to figure out who we're going to pick. The coach wants one. The owner wants one. The GM wants one. Let's have a 10-part Netflix series about it. Yeah, I think behind the scenes of a – you know, one of the more interesting pieces that I ever read was Peter King was in the Cowboys war room in, 20, in the 2016 draft, a draft which they took Zeke, and then they obviously had the decision with Jalen Smith in the second round. But they were considering trading up to get back in the first round and get Paxton Lynch. Like that that was a really good article. I'm like, man, that that would make a good movie. But you know, the draft is such a secretive thing where teams don't want their secrets out, they don't want their processes out. I don't see that ever happening. Uh, uh but you know, like did you see uh let me let me ask you this another one going back to music, I know. Did you see the Queen movie by chance? Uh, again, I, I feel bad. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm letting you down with seeing all the Oscar-nominated stuff. Well, no, no, because the Queen movie, I liked. Okay, but and I'm, I am actually, I'm passionate about music. I'm not passionate about Queen. I'm passionate about music, though. Like I'm passionate about the draft. The Queen movie got a lot of people that I knew, who were maybe a little older, might have been Queen fans, you know, and they were like, man, they just they did not tell the story correctly. Yeah, I heard there was some heat on it in that regard. I'm like, well, I watched it, and I thought for a two-hour movie, they covered quite a bit of stuff and got there. But, like, if we're going to tell the whole Freddie Mercury story, then I need ten episodes, and I need this to be done on HBO or Netflix or something. Almost everything works better as a Netflix series now when you think about that option. Because you just can't cover everything. Here, this is, I mean, there's a reason this movie started 12 hours before the draft, you know? Yeah, they just went as far off the rails as they could possibly get, yeah. though. Yeah, and that's, and that's why, that's why it got crazy. And, and, you know, for me, I mean, honestly, they used to have to look at, like, the, the box office numbers. It didn't do very well. Uh, no, it made just above its budget. I, I looked at the Wikipedia. Yeah, I saw that, too. I was like, whoa, that's insane. So, I mean, it barely, it barely made more than, than what they were, than what they had to work with. Yeah, I mean, and as as far as a couple other categories that we go over with this movie, it's like best on screen athlete. You don't really see anyone besides whoever uh, Chadwick Boseman's stunt double was really playing. Yeah, you know, so best on screen athlete, I guess, literally was Arian Foster. He was the best athlete in the movie. I want to give a special shout out to uh, the guy who plays Rick the intern because he really nailed it as an intern. He just crushed it as the nervous intern who gets shit on by everyone. Yeah, just I mean, and that's a role that I actually uh, see all the time because uh, I have guys that interns a lot. Um, so I see that. I thought he did a very good job of that. Yes. Yeah, I'm looking at the cast name is Griffin Newman. So Griffin Newman crushed it as a 
as Rick the intern. Kevin, I, I think that covers it. I think we've pretty much we've torn this movie up about as good as we could. Um, but we we did find some things that worked. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. I had a good time. Where can the people uh, follow you? And um, if, they're, if they're listening to this on draft morning, what can they expect from you guys on draft day uh, tonight? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you. I, I um, You can follow me on Twitter at KT Fun Tweets, um, where I'm generally promoting stuff and telling jokes, hopefully. Um, but uh, over uh, on the draft, Draft night, uh, night one, we'll have the coverage locally on 105.3 The Fan in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, you can get that on the radio.com app as well. Um, with the Cowboys not having a pick, it'll kind of be a more NFL-oriented show. And uh, we'll, we'll spend a lot of time on uh, all the teams who have the picks, and we know the players. We've studied – man, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm getting close to closing in on 300 players at all have scouting reports on and ready to go on draft night. And then on draft Friday night, uh, rounds two and three, and draft Saturday, uh, also on 105.3 The Fan and the radio.com app, but also on DallasCowboys.com. So looking forward to a wild uh, a wild draft weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, we just kind of – we cover everybody, every team, every player. We kind of we handle it at all and have scouting reports on everybody. So it's a, it's a lot of fun to do. and. It's not just specified to, uh, you know, what fan of which team you are. It doesn't matter what team you like. If you like the Ravens, we're going to talk about your team a little bit. So I think that's kind of a cool part about it as well. So like we said, we're recording, you know, four weeks actually before draft day. But if you had to put your money on it right now, uh, again, April 2nd, so don't quote him on this as something crazy happens between now and then, you taking Kyler or the field for the number one overall pick? Uh, Kyler number one. Book it now. Book it now. Lay your now. money down, even if you're hearing this hours before four, the draft. Four weeks later. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Kevin, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share. Wherever you get your podcast. we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at TroublePod, on Instagram at TroubleWithTheScriptPod, and you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Banduho and uh, catch us with new episodes every Thursday. Thanks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.